Welcome to Conversation 360 and this podcast series called Asia and the West. I'm your host, Susan Bird. On Asia and the West, we showcase people whose work, life, and experience can shed light on what's taking place between these two critically important parts of our world. We are especially focused on China, but you'll hear from people with fascinating things to say about other parts of Asia as well. With me today is Eva Chan, who heads investor relations for CC Landholders, headquartered in Hong Kong. She has more than 25 years' experience with responsibility for formulating this major company's investor strategies. In that role, she meets with investors and fund managers all over the world. She feels strongly that Westerners don't have an accurate picture of modern China. There's still a lot of uh, Western people, they don't know, they, un- they don't understand China. So in their mind, they still think that China is a, a very uh, backward country. Uh, in their mind, they still see uh, the, the, the people, the Chinese people still with long hair and, 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 and also uh, like a, a village. And, and this is still something um, in their mind, but I'd like to... Um, uh, invite them to come to China to have a look. Actually, if you go to Shanghai, Beijing, it's very much like London or New York. When we talk of privacy issues, Eva points out a major difference in the way Hong Kong people view privacy versus their counterparts in mainland China. For Hong Kong people, they have a very strong uh, sense on their privacy. They know their rights. They know um, their personal data should not be disclosed without their consent. Um, and they are very care about uh, about have to say the old Hong Kong people. You know, from the young generation, maybe they don't have this uh, uh, sense um, uh, as we did in the past. Uh, but in China, it's very different. Uh, privacy is not a big issue, so it's very easy for the especially for the staff to disclose information of the company to the outside people. So this is something um, I think there's a learning process to to make um, uh, uh, to build this kind of um, culture in the company to make sure personal data are a very important uh, uh, information and not to be disclosed uh, in any way. So this is this is I can see the difference between Hong Kong and China. On the topic of innovation, Eva says she thinks its importance may be overblown. Innovation is not the only factor. To uh, uh, to make it a, a person, an individual, successful, uh, especially uh, in a company, uh, because you know, um, in a corporate environment, there are a lot of uh, different things going on. Uh, there are a lot of factors affecting the business successful or not. So, um, of course, uh, if you have innovation and then you have good management, you have good people, you have all the important factors with you, and then you do it well then your company will be successful. But if, this, if you only have innovation, this, is, uh, this only factor cannot make you successful. This is my opinion. With Eva in Hong Kong and me here in New York, we cover a range of topics in this conversation involving China and Hong Kong. You'll note that at times we speak over one another, a result of our phone connection, but we do manage to be understood. I hope you find it fascinating. Welcome to Conversation 360 podcast and to this series called Asia and the West, Eva. Hi, Susan. So my first question of you is when we talk about the conversations taking place in and between Asia and the West, what comes to mind for you? What does that mean okay, to you? Uh, 
when we talk about Asia, actually, because I, I'm living in Hong Kong, so very much uh, it relates uh, to Hong Kong and at the same time to China. And um, I, actually, what I'm seeing, uh, in, especially in China, uh, the people in China, they are very much, um, um, they have a lot of interest in the Western culture and also um, the, um, uh, what's going on in the Western countries. So um, this is what coming up to my mind. So I would imagine that uh, you have to explain often to Westerners uh, the Chinese way of thinking and vice versa. How accurate do you think the Chinese understanding of the West is? I, I think it depends because um, uh, China uh, is a big uh, country, has more than uh, uh, 1.3, 1.4 uh, uh, billion people. So, um, so for those uh, what we call the first tier city like Shanghai, Beijing, Shenzhen, um, because they have a lot, the people there have a lot of interaction with the Western countries. So, they they know uh, pretty much they know quite well about the what's happening in the Western countries. But for those in the inland, um, maybe uh, they are not really understand what's going on. So I guess I should ask you the opposite question, and that is, what's your impression of how well people in the West understand China? Mm. It also depends. Uh, but sometimes, because I, I in in the past, my um, my impression was um, the the. Especially, I, I met a lot of investors all over the world. So uh, most of the investors, they have been in China, so they know China quite well. But uh, it also happened that uh, I met some investors, even though they have been investing uh, in in Asia or in the China in the China uh, stock market for a long time, they have they never have they never come to China. So. Um, um, so this also uh, let me know that um, uh, it, there are still a lot of Western people. They, they they don't know China. Well, I think you're very right about that. That's one of the reasons for my uh, conducting these curated conversations because I think there there is an increasing interest uh, in for, certainly in the West to know more about China and other parts of Asia. And I think also it's true in China, although it seems to me that people there have been are much more inclined to know something about the history of the West. They uh, more Chinese study English than than the other way around. So this, I hope that this really opens up a little more understanding on both sides. So let me ask you what's on the mind of many people who have an interest in China now, and that is the recent downturn in the Chinese economy. What do you think is happening, and how is that impact being okay, felt? Um, when we talk about the, the economic uh, economic downturn in China, uh, I I think um, this is um, uh, this is normal because everything has has a cycle. So when we see the economy boom in China for the last ten years. And now we come to a slowdown. I'm not saying downturn, maybe slowdown in the because uh, in terms of GDP growth, China is still can still achieve seven percent per annum. I think this is compared with the other uh, countries in in the rest. So um, 
Uh, but of course, for the Western people, they see this is very alarming because uh, in the past, China has 5%, 10% economic growth, and then uh, they always see 8% is the uh, is a very important figure to make sure China is still growing. Uh, but I, I I don't see that is so um, um, so so serious or alarming, even though China only achieved seven percent GDP growth because uh, it's it, it's still growing. So um, and and when you look at the size of the uh, country, is so getting percent growth, I think is still very good. I think this is uh, something the Western people maybe understand. Maybe, maybe that they maybe do not understand. Is that what you said? Yeah. What about individuals in China? We know that people born there 30 years ago or less than 30 years ago have been living in a country where the growth has been exponential. So despite the fact that this is still really impressive growth, the fact that it's slowed down a second, a little bit, is the mood there shifted at all, especially among the middle class? Is this something they're finding disturbing? Are they responding to this at all in a negative way? What What's your thinking about that? Uh, actually, I don't see that the people in China they 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 uh, they feel the slowdown. Uh, the slowdown just um, shown in the figures because uh, if you look at the base. Or the whole economy uh, uh, in China, the base is getting bigger and bigger. So, if you have, you have a smaller number for the uh, GDP growth, but in terms of the absolute value of uh, uh, of growth, is still significant. So, um, if you go to Sh uh, uh, Shanghai, then you can see that the um, the uh, uh, if you go out for dinner, uh, for entertainment. The the price is not cheaper than anywhere uh, in 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 New York or in London. So I I I don't see that uh, there is a um a downturn or a uh, a drop in their life uh, um the lifestyle uh, or their uh, their day to day um um. Uh, the, that's affecting the everyday living standard. I don't see that. Okay. So now individuals that do have concerns about something, for example, the, the pollution in Beijing, uh, air quality in general, other issues like that, have individuals become more vocal about that? And how has that been responded to? Okay, uh, when you t when we talk about the um the pollution in Beijing, I have to say that there's a great improvement already. Okay, uh, I know that the government they have um uh make a lot of effort in improving the air quality in in Beijing, and this is uh, actually we we can see everybody can see the improvement. Of course, when you compare with other city. Or especially the Western city, you see that they maybe the level, the standard is not up to uh, you know a good quality standard. But in terms of improvement, I can see that they are doing a lot. So uh, for the local Beijing people, um, some of them they know the government is doing quite a lot, so they are not complaining. Uh, they just uh, of course they want to be better. Uh, but 
this is not a big issue. Usually the pollution uh, are from the outside. When you know the outside people, they come to Beijing, they see the pollution, uh, they see this is a big, you know, very serious and a, a big thing. But uh, for the local people, they know that actually this is improved already. So I think this is from different perspective. Well, it sounds as if the, the government, I don't know if it's been in response to people's speaking up about it, but it's impressive to see that they have been able to pick and choose certain issues around which to do something dramatic. And it sounds like you're saying this has already had some impact that that can be seen and noticed. And I would imagine that's a that's a very big thing. So what about there nonetheless are a lot of Chinese who are immigrating elsewhere to the West. Is that is that again just a Westerner's view of gosh, Chinese people are some of their brightest and wealthiest are leaving the country? Or is that really a phenomenon? And if so, to what would you attribute that? Um, yes, uh, we see there are lots of people moving out of China to the Western country. Uh, but most of them, um, uh, because um, uh, the reason is for, the, uh, for their child's edu education. You know, uh, the Chinese people, they are very serious or very clear about uh, their child's, uh, their children's uh, education. So they want to uh, give the best uh, to, to their kids. So that's why they, and, and uh, you know, for if, when we talk about the best university in the world, of course, uh, U.S. and, um, uh, and uh, uh, Europe, they have a higher ranking. And, uh, and also the different style of learning. And we know that for the Western uh, style of learning is more uh, uh, creative and more inspiring to to the kids. So that's why I, I, this is one of the reasons for the Chinese people uh, um, moving to Western countries. Well, now that's particularly interesting, Eva, because it sounds to me is if we talk about Western education versus the traditional Chinese education, I think you had even told me when we met before that there is something about the rote system of learning, uh, memorization and so on that's traditionally Chinese that is you don't find here. You get much more questioning and, and um, the kind of thinking that leads to innovation. So I would imagine that what you're suggesting is that with more and more Chinese being educated in the West, that they will come back to China with this influence in their thinking and that that might increase or enhance the innovative efforts within China. Does that make sense? Is that one of the things that you think is hoped for there? Or are they staying in the United States and the UK where they study? Right. Uh, actually, we see that uh, quite a lot of uh, um, uh, children, uh, uh, they come back to China after they study in the Western countries. And um, of course, there's still some they would say, but this is just a, a choice of our lifestyle because, you know, different lifestyle in Western country and China. So, um, uh, but I can see still a lot of them, they're coming back. Now, we had, when we talked about innovation, um, I was curious to get your thought. Do the Chinese view innovation itself differently than the West? I remember you saying that, I think you, you said that innovation is not necessarily important for all companies. If you want to be number one, then innovation is really important. But if you don't have the mission to be number one forever, then you, you don't have to innovate because to get a return can take a lot of time and it's not particularly cost effective. Did I understand that? 
properly? Is that what you had thought? Uh, yes. Um, innovation is not the only factor to uh, uh, to make it a, a person, an individual, successful, uh, especially uh, in a company, uh, because you know. Um, in a corporate environment, there are a lot of uh, different things going on. Uh, there are a lot of factors affecting the business successful or not. So, um, of course, uh, if you have innovation and then you have good management, you have good people, you have all the important factors with you, and then you do it well, then your company will be successful. But if, this, if you only have innovation, this, is, uh, this only factor cannot make you successful. This is my opinion. Well, I, I remember we talked about Alibaba in Tencent, which Tencent you had pointed out got huge in a very short time period, and their but their brand connects with with their history. There, it, there's really a high value that that can be followed over time, and that's all happened in five or ten years. Um, another company that you mentioned was Huawei, which is truly amazing. Are there other companies that you think have been particularly interesting because of their ability to innovate and expand within China, in fact, elsewhere outside of China? I, okay, um, um, I, 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 I think at this moment I can recall is um, the, uh, that is a, a, com a TV company in China. They now come into Hong Kong, what we call the VTV. Uh, this is also a new, a very innovative idea. Uh, coming uh, to Hong Kong because uh, uh, in the past the Hong Kong uh, TV uh, um, uh, industry is very much like um, uh, we don't have a lot of choices. Okay, uh, if for, I mean for the for the uh, free TV, that means uh, you don't need to pay for any uh, TV program. Uh, you only have uh, two uh, broadcasts and. Um, and then uh, the program is uh, is very much uh, 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 scheduled, so you have uh, so they have a specific time for each uh, program, so you don't have your choice. But the what I mentioned about the VTV that's coming from China, they have a new, very new, innovative uh, arrangement that you can choose your own program time. Okay, and then they have a lot of the different uh, the uh, different series of program and uh, covering different interests. So, so this is something you know coming from China to Hong Kong, and then uh, uh, and this is a big food or a new uh, uh, system for the whole TV industry in Hong Kong. That's interesting. How how do you spell the name of that company? Uh, v I U and then TV. V I U T V. So view, as in, you'd say it as view TV. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Thanks for telling me about that. I didn't know about that. I, I will certainly look that up. I, another question I had was, what about the pressure regarding privacy issues? You know, here in the West, people get very excited about anyone being able to uh, get hands on their data. Uh, they are extremely interested in maintaining privacy. Is that such a big deal in Hong Kong and or mainland China? Uh, uh, for Hong Kong people, they have a very strong uh, sense on their privacy. They know their rights. 
they know um, their personal data should not be disclosed without their consent. Um, and they are very care about uh, perhaps the old Hong Kong people, you know, from the young generation, maybe they don't have this uh, uh, sense um, uh, as we did in the past. Uh, but in China, it's very different. Uh, privacy is not a big issue. So it's very easy, for the, especially for the staff, to disclose information of the company to the outside people. So this is something, um, I think that's a learning process to, to make, um, uh, uh, to build this kind of um, culture in the company to make sure personal data are a very important uh, uh, information and not to be disclosed uh, in any way. So this is, this is, I can see the difference between Hong Kong and China. So Eva, do you think that that's a result of the fact that people in China have been used to uh, scrutiny by the government, that there's kind of been a big brother watching them for some time, so this is just a new phenomenon that they, that they may want to maintain the privacy of their own data? To what do you attribute the big difference? Um, I, I, I don't really know uh, why uh, they have this difference. Um, maybe I think the difference is because for Hong Kong uh, people, um, in the past we are under the administration of the uh, British uh, government. We had the British economy in the past, before 1997. So that's why, uh, you know, for, uh, for the Western culture, uh, privacy is very important. So that's why Hong Kong is very much following the Western system. Uh, so it's as much that they inherited it from the British as, as, as anything else, I see. So you sound, however, really quite optimistic about China's future. Am I reading that correctly? Oh, yes. And so what would you say is the biggest source of optimism? Uh, I see that the Chinese government, um, they, got, uh, they are improving. They now they become more experienced because you, when you look at the history, uh, China just opened its door uh, about fifty years ago, from nineteen seventy-seven, seventy-eight. So uh, before that, they closed their door, so they have no interaction between China and the uh, Western country. So after they open the door, and then they see that oh, the world is like this. And then they start to learn. So after, you know, it takes time and there's a learning process. So that's why now after 30 years, we see that they become more mature and then they know how to uh, work with the, with the Western countries. At the same time, the, the people in China, after one or two generations, um, they, they become uh, more educated and then they are... Uh, after they, uh, they have the chance to, to travel outside and then they know what's going on in the Western country. So all this actually help the, the, um, the quality of the Chinese people, uh, not only in terms of living standards, but also to open their eyes to, to, the, to what they call the new world. And, and all this actually are making the people more... Uh, 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 they 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 will know how to uh, how to grow their country, how to uh, work with uh, the outside uh, uh, the Western countries, and I, this is why I'm optimistic about uh, China, the, the, the Chinese economy, the China, the growth of China, and uh, how 
uh, China become a big nation in the world. Really, really playing on a global on a global playing field. Yes, and and what do you think the major challenges will be moving ahead? Um, I think um, um, the uh, the population is still a big challenge. Uh, in terms of population, China now is still uh, still number one in in the world. Uh, so. Uh, I'm not sure China or India, okay? Uh, but uh, because of the one-child policy in the last uh, 30 years, so uh, we see that the young population is getting, uh, in, terms of, in terms of percentage, becomes smaller. So we we see that in the coming uh, years, there will be more people in the country. And, uh, and in terms of uh, supporting, from the young population to the old population, that will be a big challenge. Yes, and I suppose especially around health care issues, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, which are still not at all really um, uh, able to handle that kind of aging population, that will be interesting. Are, are there other issues, Eva, that you'd like to mention or that you think are particularly interesting regarding this whole East meets West concept, anything else that you find especially uh, of importance that we should think about? Okay. Um, okay. I, I, as, as you uh, mentioned uh, uh, in, the, in our conversation earlier, um, you know, uh, there's still a lot of uh, Western people, they don't know, they, um, they don't understand China. So in their mind, they still think that China is a a very uh, backward country. Uh, in their mind, they still see uh, the, the the people, the Chinese people, still with long hair, and and and, and also uh, like a, a village, and and this is still something um, in their mind. But I'd like to um, uh, invite them to come to China to have a look. Actually, if you go to Shanghai, Beijing, it's very much like London or New York. <laughs> You're so right. In fact, in some ways, it's actually even more exciting. Um, I think you're right. You you know my bias is that face to face conversation is the is the great equalizer. So I'm I'm fascinated to hear you say that too. Is, is there is there any other thing any other issue that you'd like to mention around this topic? Um, um, and at the same time, uh, I see um, uh, China China become more important in the global. Uh, in uh, uh, from the global perspective, in terms of population, in terms of the uh, economy, um, uh, the uh, economic growth, etc. And also, as I mentioned, um, there are lots of um, Chinese uh, uh, students coming to uh, to the Western countries to study. So you see that the Chinese people actually are everywhere. Okay. So I think this is also something. Uh, 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 I would like to invite uh, invite the Western people to 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 know more about the Chinese people, so I so that they can integrate. I would like to use the word integrate uh, the Chinese and Western people together. Well, I I thoroughly agree with you, and I hope that our conversation today uh, is a step in that direction. first time you're listening to Asia and the West podcast, please subscribe on your podcast app of choice. There are plenty more conversations with fascinating people from where this came. 
And please, rate and review us on iTunes. As you may know, iTunes gives credit to reviews and ratings, and the more credit we get, the more people can discover us. And please, tell your friends. Word of mouth is a powerful way to spread the word about the Conversation 360 podcast and this Asia and the West series. There's more information on our website, www.conversation360podcast.com. The show's Twitter handle is at Conv360Podcast. That's C-O-N-V 360 Podcast. And my personal Twitter is at Susan W. Bird, spelled B-I-R-D. Thanks for listening.